What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Visitor's Bullpen. I'm Matt Wyrick, alongside Kevin Haswell, who is sitting right outside the frame over here. Um, how's it going, Kevin? Doing great. Uh, excited for another episode. I know the Phillies been hot this week. Reese Hoskins, 17 home runs now, three in the last two games. Makes me more excited to watch the game when your favorite team's doing well, so... Uh, excited for another week on the visitors' bullpen. Absolutely, Nats just clinched, so got the division against the Phillies, no less. Mm. Uh, great time there. I mean, it wasn't the game; it was that low with the magic number to one, and then there was another loss. Uh, Braves made a comeback mm-hmm. against the Marlins. So uh, overall, it's been exciting to be an NL East fan. Um, so we're excited for that final month. Reese Hoskins yep. doing his thing. Another like three home runs in the past two games. I mean, this guy's on another level. It's been exciting to see. You know what he's been doing, but big story in baseball obviously is the Indians' winning streak right now. They just Definitely. bumped it up to 21 games um, yesterday, uh, which passed the 2002 A's for the uh, AL record. They're now chasing the MLB record, which is 26, set by the 1916 New York Giants. However, there is an asterisk next to that. Um, there was a tie in the middle of that uh, streak. There was a one-to-one tie, so it's technically a um, lossless uh, streak, not really a winning streak, but um, it's counted by MLB Baseball, so it is the official record. So um, it'd be exciting to see if the Indians can break that tie with the Chicago White, so- White Stockings of 1880 and the Chicago Cubs of 1935 for sole possession of second place uh, when they go tonight. So overall, it's been exciting to watch. Their offense has been incredible, starting pitching. Flawless, even the bullpen. I mean, they're firing all cylinders right now. But the question we pose today is, you know, does it all matter? Is this winning streak really that significant? Kevin seems to think not. So, Kevin, please enlighten us on why it's really not that impressive. I think it's impressive, and and it'll go down the record books just like any other record. But the the one problem I have with people saying it's more important than a World Series is you don't get a ring for twenty one straight wins. You get a ring for winning the World Series. Um, these guys go out there uh, to win the World Series. They don't go out here to win 21 in a row. I was listening to a podcast earlier today where Mike Clevenger was a guest. And if you don't know who Mike Clevenger is, he's a starting pitcher for the Cleveland Indians. Um, they actually, He actually said that nothing's changed in the uh, locker room. All they've been doing is you know, listening to the same music, doing the same pregame rituals, same everything. Um, and, you know, they won 21 in a row, and the only thing that's changed is the amount of media in the room. So their focus hasn't changed at all, and um, you know, definitely, definitely more important to win the World Series than win 21 games. They can win 36 games. They can finish out. They have 15 games left on the schedule. If they win all 15, they've won 36 in a row going into the playoffs. But if they don't win the World Series. It's all for naught. So I think the most important thing is for the Indians to you know, I I think down the stretch it's more important for them to lose a game. Because I think if they lose a game, um, you know, they haven't, they haven't felt what it's like to lose since August 24th. So, um, really need to lose a game. Streak needs to come to an end and need to go to the playoffs ready to go. Because World Series is definitely more important than 21 games win streak. I, I disagree. I mean, yes. Obviously, the goal of any MLB season is to win the World Series. Yeah. And no player is going to tell you they'd rather win 20 games in a row than win the World Series. But in terms of what's more impressive, a team wins the World Series every single year. I mean, yes, there's teams that go 108-year droughts without doing it. Not to say it's an easy thing to do, but it happens every single year. 20-game win streaks, not so much. This is only the seventh time a team has ever done it in the history of baseball, the most storied sport in America. I mean, for the fact that, you know, before the A's did it, the last 20-game win streak was 1935. I mean, to have gone... 70, almost 70 years um, without actually winning, you know, winning 20 straight games, any team in the entirety of baseball, season after season, you know, that that accounts for something. And I think, you know, fans need to appreciate what they're seeing here. This is this is really history. I mean, yes, you're going to see in October um, some awesome things happen in the playoffs, but that happens every year. So I think you need to place more value on something that really, you know, is this historic. Yeah, see, I understand where you're going with the history thing, but these guys have a job. They go out there and win World Series. You don't get, you don't get recognition for one streak you put up in 2017. If you end up 
if you end up losing. Like, if you don't end up winning the World Series, it's all for naught. It's great to be in the history books, but but it almost puts an asterisk next to the the win streak if, if you don't win the World Series. So I think at the end of the day, it's more important for the Indians to go out and avenge their loss to the Cubs last year and win the World Series than it is to beat the, the, the Major League Baseball record of 26 games. So I, I don't know. I mean, these guys have a job, and their job is to win. And their job is to win, win it all, be the best team in Major League Baseball. And tw- winning 21 games is nice, but doesn't prove anything. When going out and winning the World Series proves it. You know, a lot of people will bring up the 2001 Mariners who set the MLB record for most wins in a season. They'll bring up the Warriors who won 73 games. They'll bring up the Patriots who went 16 and 0 in the regular season. And you know, they'll say, you know, people aren't remembering teams for that. But the fact is, they're being brought up. These teams, they are being appreciated for what they've done, even if they didn't go on to win the World Series, they still did some amazing do think, things. Do you think the New England Patriots would trade a loss I'm not for, saying, for a Super Bowl title? I'm not that, saying that that that's not the goal. The goal is to win the World Series. Because sure, that the Patriots are in the NFL record books for winning, going 16-0, and uh, winning 18 straight games. But at the end of the day, you go back to that season and the New York Giants are the champions. But all I'm saying is we need to appreciate that. We can't just you know take regular season things for granted. I'll tell you this. When you're, I'm not, you ever I'm vote, not taking it for granted. I'm just saying. That but that's what I'm saying. It's people not nearly as important as winning a World Series. Yes, but that's what I'm saying is what people are doing. And and at the end of the day, yes, you want to win the World Series, but that doesn't mean that you know everything you did before it doesn't matter. When you, if you ever vote for a Hall of Famer, right? Yeah. A BBWA. Um, what are you going to value the most when making that decision? You're going to look at their numbers, right? From their entire career. Yeah. Those are regular season numbers, mm-hmm. okay? And you'll point to, okay, there are certain things they did in the postseason that certainly add to that. You know what I'll also value? What? The number of World Series they've won. That's very true, okay? But let's look at Kurt Schilling, who's considered one of the greatest postseason pitchers in the history of baseball. Last year, he did even he barely eclipsed 50% of the vote. And, I mean, career in the World Series, and he has three, two rings and a World Series MVP and an NLCS MVP. 2-2-3 ERA in the playoffs, over 130 innings, uh, under one whip. I mean, the guy was one of the most incredible postseason pitchers ever. He's dropped in value over the past year in terms of Hall of Fame voting. That's that's saying that you know regular season matters. And hey, right. You're looking you're looking at this team perspective of you know at the end of the day you want to win the World Series, but when you're when you're judging individual players, why is it different that we're judging regular season versus postseason and valuing regular season more? Because because at the end, you're, you're bringing in regular season stats, and in my opinion, that really has nothing to do with anything. We're talking about your winning streak here. Right, we're talking, we're talking value of regular season accomplishments versus value of postseason. Okay, and while the Dodgers might win 106 games if they don't win the World Series, that this season is for nothing. So That's not the, true. Yeah, see, that's is. what I'm saying. You're not valuing what they're doing in the regular season. Matt, that's something ask, to me what, what do they do? Why do players play the game? To win the World Series. To win the World Series. Mm -hmm. So, do you think it matters that they win 106 games? No, it doesn't. Maybe for the fans. Okay, great. It's something you can say you accomplished. They won 106 games. Players don't care. At the end of the day, the players don't care. I don't don't know if there's really any Indians player in that locker room that cares about that winning streak right now. Because they have their eyes on the prize. They have their eyes on the World Series. No one cares... None of these players, I mean, the fans care about the regular season because, you know, like you, for instance, you're a Nats fan. You can boast to me, a Phillies fan, and be like, oh, the Nats are, you know, they won the division, ha-ha, you guys are in the dumpster, last place, whatever. But at the end of the day, if the Nats don't win the World Series, they're just as bad as the Phillies. That's not true. They're just as bad as That's the Phillies. That's not true. Both teams, and you know what? You know what's the best part about that? The Phillies get a higher draft pick than the Nats if the Nats don't win the World Series. So, yeah, I mean, at the end Nats of the day. Nats more money because they play playoff games. Okay, that that's awesome. But they but they both get the same share of the TV. They get Cy Young. They get they've had an MVP in the past few years, uh, Rookie of the Year in twenty twelve. Okay, Silver Sluggers. It's typical Nats fan. You're you're going back to the regular season accomplishments. You're saying that they haven't matter. accomplished anything in the playoffs. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't because matter. you haven't accomplished anything in the playoffs. But I'm saying just because you haven't accomplished anything in the playoffs doesn't mean that everything else is for naught. See, this is where we disagree. Because I feel like if you don't win the World Series, it is for nothing. But it, it really isn't. Vote it. Uh, weigh in. Let us know in the comments um, what you think. Personally, I mean, 
we shouldn't just, you know, disregard. There's 162 games in an MLB season. You can't tell me that the only thing that matters about all 162 of those games is where you end up seeding in the playoffs. I mean, it's not true. There is so much that goes on. There's J.D. Martinez's four homer game. You don't think he's going to remember that for the rest of his life? You don't think that any guy that's ever hit for the cycle is not going to think, man, when I legged out that triple, that was insane? And every player in the Indians clubhouse is going to go to the media and say, this doesn't matter. But it does. It matters for morale for the team. It matters for players going home and being happy, you know, going home after a long road trip and okay. saying, hey, we just went 6-0 and on that road it's trip. great for morale, but, I mean, just take it. But you were talking it, about the players. That's it, what I'm talking about. Take it for from the Dodgers' view, right? They had one of the best, what, 60-game stretches in baseball, and now they're one of the worst teams in baseball in the last, like, 15 games. So morale doesn't really it, it doesn't really matter because at the end of the day, the, the Indians could lose 10 in the next 15 games and go to the playoffs feeling like crap. Yeah, and but they'll still have had this. They've had nothing. something. At the end of the day, the end of the season, only one team wins World Series. Are you telling me every single player that's not on that – that World Series team should just, you know, be like, this season was a was a disappointment. Well, that's what they're going to say. Not necessarily. That's what they're going to say. Players are going to be like, in five years from now, ten years from now, players are not going to remember, man, that season in 2017, we you know don't think the You know what they're going to remember? When they won the World Series. If they win the World Series. I'm not. I'm saying that happens every year and, for different teams. One of the biggest regrets every... for, for most athletes is to not win a, not win a championship. That, this is why, for instance, in the NBA, players taking less money to go win championships because that's what it's all about. It's not about the money. It's not about... They all make a ton of money at the end of the day. They all make a ton of money. You have such a singular view on this one thing. And just because you can't accomplish that one thing, that doesn't mean... That's why there's Cy Youngs. That's why there's MVPs. That's why there's Rookie of the Years. Silver Stars, all of that. Because to recognize the achievements of people who, you know, maybe they didn't make it all the way. That's not the worst thing in the world. There are still things to be... You know, players to be proud of, fans to enjoy, analysts to look at and say, you know, this guy's a pretty good player. And that's what makes Hall of Fame, you know, voting. There are players who are in the Hall of Fame who never won a World Series. And, you know, that's that's not an anomaly. That That's a common thing across all sports. Tony Gonzalez is considered one of the best tight ends in the history of NFL. Never made a, a World uh, Super Bowl. Is that to say that he's and not? Why, why did he... Stuff. Like he was going to go in retirement. Why did he come back for another year? Why did he come back for another year? Because he was going for that championship. Because that's at the end of the day. I'm not saying the, players no, don't no, want no. it. Okay, no, that's fine. No, but at the end of the day, I think Bryce Harper would trade an MVP for a World Series. I'm not saying that's not true. So, so the World Series is the most important. I didn't say that it wasn't the most important. I'm, I'm saying, saying the 21 game win streak is more important than the World Series. No, I'm saying it is important, and you're devaluing it because it's not the World Series. Yeah, I am devaluing it because it's not as valuable as winning the World Series. It's not. It's something to hang your hat on and something and, to be uh, impressed That's awesome. By. You can be happy about it all you want, but at the end of the day, if, if you're saying it doesn't if matter, if the Cubs beat the Indians in the World Series again, the Indians aren't World Series champions. But then that, that doesn't It's still say in the that. record books. I'm giving them credit for it. Yeah. It's awesome. But you're but saying that at the end of the day, they don't win a World Series. They don't win a World Series. Like, it's not as valuable. It doesn't. That doesn't mean it didn't matter. That's what you're trying to say is it doesn't matter, and it does. I don't know. People, this kind of goes into, we're not going to go in the NBA, but the whole 73-win Warriors team that lost the Cavs, mm-hmm. I think that season was for nothing because they're greatest team of all time, and then they lost the Cavs. So, I mean, it, it's if you don't finish the job, you it's not that important. It's really not. And that's my opinion. That's fine. This is why we're having this argument on the show. But, I mean, World Series is more valuable than anything else. Championships are. I think we'll have to agree to disagree. Definitely post in the comments. Uh, reach out to us on Twitter. Let you know what you think. And we'll, you know, maybe we'll revisit this down the line after the World Series. Um, and we'll see, you know. We've got a long offseason ahead of us, so plenty of topics to t- touch and retouch on. So we'll get back to that. Um, switching gears a little bit, we wanted to talk about now players who are underappreciated. Uh, players who have never made an all-star team. Who... This is actually a kind of a tough question. If, you know, I ask you right now, who's the best player in baseball that's never made an all-star team? It's not an easy question. Pitchers, uh, it's really, if you look at, we, we did a baseball reference search tool um, to see the greatest war among active players that didn't have um, an all-star appearance. And with pitchers, it's more of players that, you know, have been consistently average over their careers or are younger and have only had a few years under, under their belt. Um, so I picked out a pitcher and a hitter. Um, we'll get to me in a second. Kevin, who is your player, uh, the best player in baseball that's never made an all-star team? Uh, one, 
I don't know if I would pick him as my number one, but just came across me. Mark Reynolds has never made an all-star game. 44 home runs and 102 RBIs in 2009 with the Diamondbacks and an 892 OPS and finished 20th in the MVP voting. Never made an all I mean, he didn't make the all-star team that year. I know the strikeout numbers have always been high for him and the average has been low, but the OPS has been there. He's had five seasons over 800 OPS. Um, and he's been one of the best power hit. Like, honestly, I would say he's top 20 power hitter in the last 10 years. He's been terrific, been able to hit the ball. And, you know, this year he, he's been terrific again. Uh, 29 home runs, 93 RBIs, probably another 30 in 100 year with an uh, OPS sitting around 850 and an OPS plus over 100. So, I mean, I don't, I, it's, hard, it's hard for me to believe that Mark Reynolds has never made an all-star game. But, um I know you got some good guys cooking up, so. Yeah, well, on Mark Reynolds, he was kind of like doing the Joey Gallo before it was cool. I mean, before Sabermetrics really took over the league, the guy was hitting 220 and almost 40 bombs. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, we've talked about on previous shows, is Gallo does add value to his team. Do you know what Mark Reynolds hit last year and this year? Probably mid to upper 200s. 282 in 2016 and 266 this year. So I'd say that's a little better than Joey Gallo. This Joey year, Gallo, yeah, no, I'm talking about over yeah, his career. He's know. had like a 220 season where in he In 2014, hit. 196, 2010, 198, but the the power numbers have always been there. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be quick to, to compare him to Joey yeah, Joey Gallo's been struggling to get above the Mendoza line all year. So his career average is a 237. So that's that's why maybe not as drastic as what Gallo's doing, but you know. That kind of, and he, uh, I mean, he's almost at 300 career home runs. That's, I mean, that's not 500 career home runs, but that's an accomplishment in itself. Oh, it's an accomplishment, really. Yeah. <laughs> well, but no World Series. How old is he now? He's what, 30, 34, 34. So he's, he's still got some years left. He's got a couple years left. You know, add to that home Maybe run total. DH spot somewhere. If I mean, if he's hitting 30 home runs a year right now, he could make it to 400 theoretically. He plays out until he's like 40. Yeah. But, you know, that's, that's something to hang your hat on and a, a good career, even if your batting average isn't as high as you probably like it to be. Yeah. Um, but I, I looked more at younger players who, you know, have broken into the league in the past five or so years. Um, and one that really stood out to me is Christian Yelich. I mean, you talk about the best outfields in baseball, and you, you have to bring up the Marlins. I mean, Ozuna, Yelich, and Stanton, it's a no-brainer, uh, number one, in my opinion, uh, for the best outfield in baseball. And Yelich is kind of undervalued. I mean, right now he's a 292 career hitter. He has a gold glove, a silver slugger, finished top seven in the MVP voting one year. No, top 19. Top 19, sorry. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's, it's tough to be overshadowed by, you know, the, the guys that he plays with. Um, Ozuna actually one time got demoted to the Myers and then was brought back up. But he hasn't made an all-star team. He made one this year. So the fact that Yelich had a slow start to the year but has now raised his batting average 289, OPS plus 122. So... He's kind of overcome that slow start and turned in t- what is a typical Christian Yelich season. Um, his career at OPS Plus is 121, so a point above that. Um, I mean, he's, he's a great defender, uh, can play all three outfield spots if needed, um, has been consistently at the top of that lineup. He's hit leadoff. He's hit second before. Um, overall, he, he's one of the more impressive players. I mean, both Kevin and I can talk from watching the NL East. We've seen him um, pitch I mean, pitch, hit uh, consistently against our teams. So, overall, I think Christian Yelich is a huge snub. I did just want to mention Anthony Rendon, who's also not made an all-star team, but I won't dive too much into that. Um, yeah, Yelich is one of those guys that, you know, the numbers, the counting numbers aren't, aren't always terrific, but I feel like he has more value than, than what you see with the, you know, 17 home runs, 76 RBIs this year. But a 289 batting average from a guy who can hit at the top of the lineup, but 372 on base, it's pretty good. And an 826 OPS. Um, I mean, the counting numbers aren't always there with Yelich. He's not a terrific power hitter. He's not a guy that'll drive in. I mean, 76 um, is is great, but it's not elite in the in driving in runs. So I mean, he he's above he's above average in the counting numbers, but you, when you really dive into the the um, batting average and OPS and numbers like that. Uh, He's just more, he's a better player than people think. Yeah, War actually doesn't love him too much. He's only had one season of a five War, according to Baseball Reference. Um, he has a four point one this season, so probably won't eclipse that five point zero mark this year. But um, there are a couple players where, like Daniel Murphy's War, has never been good. And you know, I mean, for what he the kind of production he gives, part of it's the, the defense. defense. The defense. Um, but it's surprising because you know Yelich is a good defender, so you would think that. 
Um, his numbers would be boosted a little bit. You could look at guys like Andrew Jim Simmons, another guy who's never made an all-star team. Um, the defense really boosts their value. I know Simmons is among the top five in war this year because of how good his defense has been. Um, and honestly, it doesn't surprise me one bit. But it's kind of surprising that Yelich isn't up there in the rankings as much. Um, uh, obviously, the um, equation for war is pretty in-depth. It's pages long, so... Um, can't really tell you what exactly is factoring into that, but um, it's definitely questionable. As for pitchers, or you want to make one some some breaking news from uh, coming in from Jalen Heyman is the Braves are expected to trade Matt Kemp or Nick Markegas this offseason. So, uh, initial thoughts? Uh, Kemp's kind of been lost over the past few years in terms of you know national attention. He was considered the next big thing when he was on the Dodgers, um, and overall has been a pretty good hitter for the Braves. I think that. Atlanta's overall pretty dissatisfied with the way the rebuild's been going. They're a little behind schedule um, with some of their pitchers. I know Sean Newcomb is supposed to be the next David Price and really hasn't panned out very well for them. So um, that's who they traded Simmons for. Yep. Uh, so the Angels. Overall, uh, Kemp is a great hitter, horrible defender in the outfield. I think that a lot of teams would look at him and be like, yeah, maybe if for American League we'll take him as a DH, but... One of the worst defenders. On the other opposite end of the spectrum is Nick Markakis, who's been one of the most elite defenders. A uh, great right fielder. Um, I think he had the long, this like one of the top five longest um, arrowless streaks for a while. I know he made the error against the Nats, so that's all I remember. But um, he, he's a great defender. Um, solid hitter. Was with the Orioles for a while. Um, kind of hit mid to later in the lo- lineup, but definitely adds a lot of value for... Um, the defensive side of the yeah, ball. Yeah, I mean, Kemp last year was terrific uh, between the Padres and the, the Braves, 35 home runs, 180 RBIs, 89 runs scored, um, and an 803 OPS. So he's still got a lot of value. Um, I'm sure the Braves can pull in a nice little package for him in the offseason. Uh, just wanted to get your initial thoughts yeah, on that. Yeah, I mean, uh, overall, I think that, you know, the hitters market is not going to be very deep this summer nope. or winter. So um, that'll definitely... You know, he'll go for a high price, I think. Um, maybe better than what J.D. Martinez went for at the trade deadline. I can't believe how big of a steal the um, Tigers, or sorry, the Diamondbacks got for him from the Tigers. Tigers got absolutely fleeced in that deal. Although I think they did well with the Justin Wilson yeah. and Justin Verlander deal. So overall, not a huge disappointment of a deadline for them, but definitely got fleeced on that team. So you were going to talk about Carlos Carrasco before I interrupted you. Yes. Um, one of the Indians' main guys uh, in their uh, winning streak right now. Um, over the past few years, he got a slow start to his career. I mean, first season had five games, eight eight seven ERA, um, then only pitched seven games. His first full season was in 2011, um, had a four six two ERA in 21 starts, um, and then was out of baseball for a year, didn't pitch in 2012. Um but since, you know, making his first full season, he came in as a re- part-time reliever in 2014, jumped back and forth between the rotation. From 2014 to 2017, his ERA is read as 255, 363, 332, 341. I mean, that's a model of consistency right there. Yeah. It actually compares really well with Jose Quintana's numbers, um, who's held as one of the better starters that was in the American League, now in the National League, um, over the past few years. Even though his ERA was never below three, he was still one of those guys that, you know, High strikeout numbers, um, just kind of stuck on a bad team. And the Indians weren't very good for a while. So now that Cleveland's kind of jumped in that spotlight, um, Kraska's getting a lot more attention. So I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, a fast start to next season yeah. could translate into an all-star appearance for him. I was surprised that this year he wasn't. I think he was a fringe guy. Um, bit of a slower start, but overall has had a, a good year. Um, finished 13th at Cy Young voting in 2015. Overall, solid pitcher, great rotation. I think he, him, Danny Salazar, and um, Corey Kluber are an elite trio of starters with yeah. Trevor Bauer making up that fourth spot and Clevenger down to number five. I mean, that's a, that's a deep rotation no matter how you're looking at it. And, I mean, Carrasco is as big a piece as any of them. Yeah, I mean, you, you look at his numbers since 2014, 48-33 and record with a 3-2-7 ERA, uh, averaging 161 innings in a year. So, I mean, he's eating up innings. Um, He's pitching very well. He's not just eating up those innings. He's striking out a lot of guys with a 9.9 strikeout per nine. Uh, good for a starter. So uh, definitely like what I've seen. It's surprising he hasn't made an all-star game considering he finished 13 uh, Cy, Young, Cy Young Award, like you said. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, Carlos Carrasco is probably 
I mean, I didn't look too deep into pitchers on this list, but he would be my number one as well. Yeah, other guys on there were Danny Duffy, um, who really only has turns. broken in yeah. in the last couple of years, so it's a little not as much of a track record as Carrasco. But another guy who's up there in war is Matt Garza, who you really wouldn't think of as you know a great pitcher, but he's, he's just pitchers, been around so long. He's one of those pitchers you see him you know show up on today's starters like wow that man still pitches exactly. It just feels like I, I one there was a three year stretch or so where he was always rumored to be dealt at the deadline. It was, mm-hmm. it was Matt Garza. Where is he going? And yeah. now, and then he just fell off the face of the earth, and now we're talking about him again. Yeah, here we are. And he reminds me of guys like Bartolo Colon and Jeff Samarja, who, yeah. you know, Samarja was a hot commodity. That's who the Cubs got Addison Russell for um, back when he was pitching yeah. in Chicago. Um, he was big for them. And um, once he finally, you know, got into the bigger spotlight um, with the trades, he, he turned into one of the better pitchers. Now he's had a bad year this year. Although a lot of writers, Smarge is an interesting case because his strikeout and walk numbers are actually really good. And um, his just peripherals haven't been great. So a lot of people are saying, you know, he's been really unlucky this year. And an interesting thing about the Giants in general is the reports coming out of San Francisco are that the Giants are going to go for it next year. They're not They're not going into rebuild mode. Uh, you, you you would think they would have to. They have a very talented roster. They kind of got screwed by the Madison Bumgarner injury this year. And mm-hmm. I, I think they had enough talent to be a terrific team this year. I think um, the way they started, I mean, I we have an article for the Breeze this week about um, tanking. Mm-hmm. And I, once they you know went too far under, it's why not get a good pick in the draft. But um, next year, I definitely see, definitely see the Giants being a contender. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought they were going to be a wild-card team. I actually picked the Dodgers to miss the playoffs this year, so that was <laughs> hindsight 2020. Um, but I, I thought the Rockies were going to win the division and uh, Giants were going to take one of the wild-card spots simply because, I mean, that lineup is talented. they got Brandon Bell, they got Brandon Crawford, Buster Posey, three pretty elite hitters, but you've had down years from Crawford. You've had down years from Joe Panic. Um, Hunter Pence has been a shell of his former self. The Giants are apparently rumored to be going in on another hitter this offseason to bolster that lineup because they have been so impressive. Maybe the guy we'll talk about later, Otani. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that he's definitely in the conversation. We'll get on him in a bit. Um, but also, I mean, their bullpen has been bad. Mark Melanson has not been the pitcher that's as advertised. He's been a little better in the second half, but overall, um, it's been a rough season for San Francisco. It's hard to feel bad for them after all the World Series they've won in the past few years. Definitely. Um, but they did break that streak last year of the even year, so. Um, it's now kind of a new era. A lot of those pitchers and players that were on the team back then are not anymore. I mean, you've still got Buster Posey um, around, but other than that, it's him and Bruce Bochy, and that's yeah. about it. So these, this is a new team, um, and it'll be interesting to see what they do with the offseason to you know, get back into that race after having such a down year. You look at how many holes they have um, in terms of their lineup and the back end of that pitching staff. Because after Cueto, Bumgarner, and Smarja, it's really a big question mark. Matt Cain's been serviceable enough. But Smarja's numbers aren't good. I mean, he has above yeah. a 4 ERA this year. Um, so even while he's maybe you know primed for a bounce back year next year, that's no guarantee. Um, he could be on a decline. We really don't know until it all plays out. So um, it's going to be interesting to see what they do over the offseason. Yeah, it definitely be interesting. Uh, fun fact, do you know who drafted Carlos Carrasco? I do not. The Philadelphia Phillies. Look at that. Who'd they trade? They traded him in the, let's see. Um, Phillies traded in 2009. For Cliff Lee. Cliff Lee. Well, that didn't turn out too bad. Yeah, that was, that was a great <laughs> trade for them. That was, um, yeah, that was, I mean, hindsight's 2020. Great to have him now, but. Yeah, at it the was same nice time. To have Cliff Lee back then, so. I mean, I don't think Carrasco would have saved your roster at the point it's at right now. So, uh, and you needed Good. Cliff Lee at the time yeah. brought you to Always a World nice Series. Always nice to have talent. Yeah. So. so, I mean, I mean, uh, let me ask you this question that, that raises an interesting point: Would you win the World Series for five years of misery? Yes. So you you won in twenty eleven, and since then you're asking a Phillies fan. Yeah, who's been miserable since two thousand. Was it all worth so. it for winning that World Series? Yeah, and, you know, if they go out and they win another World Series by 2025, then I think it's worth it, you know. I mean, um, it, I'm sure it's nice to be a Dodgers fan. I feel like they're good every year. Um, but there's That's something to be said about just waiting and waiting and waiting to be good, and then finally when you're good, it's like it's like with the Cubs fans. You know, they were waiting for so long, suffering for so long, and, 
and how sweet was it for them to see them win the World Series? You know, the whole country was rooting for them to win the World Series. So, mm-hmm. um, no, I like I like t- rebuilding and taking a long time and making sure you do it right. And I think the Phillies are doing it right. So. No, I mean, I was raised in misery with the Nats. Yeah. I mean, they, they moved to D.C. when I was eight years old. And um, that was really what started my interest in baseball. I was raised a Yankees fan, but um, my, my whole mom's side is uh, Yankees fans, although there's there's a couple of Cubs fans there too. But uh, my mom's dad was a big influence on me, and he was a huge Yankees supporter. So um, at the time, that was my team, and then when the Nats came to D.C., my dad decided you know, to pick up watching baseball. He wasn't a huge baseball fan at all, um, and we both just kind of got hooked. And the thing was, was they were bad, and they were bad for years and years and years. They had a good start. Yeah. At the All-Star break of that initial season, they were actually in first place in the National League East and finished last. Um, down the stretch, I think they went 81 and 81. So, um, overall, from 2005 to 2011, we did not have very many good seasons. Um, really, not many players to be too super excited about. I mean, Ryan Zimmerman was that constant. We had Alfonso Soriano put it together a 40 40 season um, with the Nats one year, and then he got that big uh, contract with the Cubs after that. So, that was exciting. Um, Christian Guzman was, was an interesting player who actually got traded for Tanner Roark. In a one for one swap. So um, overall, it was it was disappointing uh, for sure to be raised in that kind of environment. But once that 2012 season happened, you know that's what really got me into baseball. Was I just got hooked when they were like obviously I liked I mean I liked baseball I liked watching when they were bad. Yeah, it was a team to root for. But when they were good, it, that just the excitement of it of a pennant race. Like it, yeah. I mean, it, it got me, and that's really if I look at my sports knowledge overall, I think. From 2012 on is where I'm the best and well, most well versed. Yeah. Is because baseball got me hooked on sports, and that's that was my freshman year of high school. I started getting into blog. Oh, I didn't get into blogging for a while, but I got into reading sports, watching Sports Center every morning. Um, just overall, it was it just hooked me, and um, so I do agree that like the rebuild is the way to go. Obviously, the Nats haven't won a playoff series, so I can't have. Too much to be excited about in terms yeah. of postseason play, but I mean it's still been an exciting team to watch for the past five years, and um, I'm hoping it turns into a World Series now. But you know, people talk about the window closing with Bryce Harper leaving after next season, and you know, do the Nats add anything over the offseason to bolster their roster? You know, do they make these trades, trade Victor Robles or Eckfetti, the guy, their top prospects at the deadline? They decided not to do it, but at the time, a lot of people were posing the question, you know. Would you trade Robles, who's projected to be like he's getting Andrew McCutcheon prompts? I would still, you know? still trade. Him. Would you trade him to like bolster your team enough to make the World Series to like almost guarantee that I you still, make it that far? Still think with how how well Doolittle's pitching, um, I should find out and got a premier closer. But. I mean, Doolittle's been great. Ryan Madsen, um, awesome setup man. Ian uh, Brandon Kinsler, um, great setup man as well. Matt Albers has been pitching. Pretty decent too. So I mean, that gives us a top four, um, which you don't typically go too far um, out of that. You know, top four for the later innings. Um, obviously, you have a shorter lease on starters. So it's, it's one of the weaker mm-hmm. top fours. In, in the oh playoff, no, no in doubt. The but at the same time, the Nats have the best lineup yeah. in the National League. Um, you know, up there with the Coors Effect Rockies. I mean, that helps. And you look at the pitching staffs. As of right now, I'd say the Nats have the best pitching staff in the NL too. So, with, in terms of star power, the Nats yeah, are fine. You, you might argue Dodgers, but yeah. Hugh Darvish has been bad since coming over yeah, to LA. That's fine, and even outside that, they, I mean, the, the they last, have a deeper, the last they have a deeper rotation. They do have for a deeper sure. Rotation. I will absolutely say that. I'll, but take, I think, I'll take Alex Wood in Game Four over Tanner Roark. Yeah, but I would take Gio and Strasburg over Darvish, and well, wouldn't Wood pitch Game Three? What? Who would you have as Game Three? Rich Hill. Rich Hill. Rich Hill hasn't had that great a season either, and has had a lot of injury troubles. So. I think Gio and Strasburg would hold edges in those games two or three. Sure, game four. I mean, we'll see. Alex Wood. I think Alex Wood had like the edge. Like we say on every episode, like, oh, it's play, it's playoffs, baby. <laughs> so we'll see exactly what happens. But I don't know. I'm excited. Should be good. Speaking of Otani, as we said earlier, um, Shohei Otani, Japanese pitcher and hitter. Um, who's been insane over in Japan, um, he wouldn't be eligible to come over unrestricted to the U.S. for another two seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's apparently wanted to forego the um, unrestricted part and have the team he plays for post, um, which means that ML, the 
team that signs him will have to pay the team a majority of the money to okay. sign him, and then uh, the player gets uh, a smaller amount of that, which is from their international bonus pool. Um, very confusing the way baseball does it, but basically you have a certain allotted amount of money. You don't have a salary cap in baseball. You can spend as much as you want on draft picks. Luxury on, tax. Um, yeah, luxury tax, obviously. But you can't, if you want to go over the luxury tax, you can't and spend as much as you want on players that are from the United States. But if you want to go Latino players, Japanese players, anything like that, you're going to need to restrict the international signing to that bonus pool that you have allotted. And you can actually trade that money. You can trade the space. The Orioles have traded it on lunch. Orioles traded it. The Yankees and the Red Sox right now have the most of the mm-hmm. teams in baseball, according to John Heyman. Um, so they're primed to you know, make a move for them. But at yeah. the same time, there's a lot of Latino players that will be um, sought after as well. So there's some players from Cuba that were looked at at the uh, World Baseball Classic who might defect or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, so we're not sure exactly how much, you know, the Yankees and Red Sox, while they have the most money, that doesn't necessarily mean that Otani's on the radar. So this is a guy who, he's a, right, a right-handed pitcher, left-handed hitter, hits 322 this past season, 27 bombs, had a 2-8 ERA. I was reading an article... Um, that was saying, basically, he was pitching like, uh, let me find it, Otani is hit like Justin Turner while pitching like Zach Greinke. I mean, to have a player like that, we talked about this with Hunter Green, I'll, I'll pose this question and we'll get into Otani um, himself in a second. Do you think that it's possible for a player to go both ways, to be a dominant pitcher and a dominant hitter, or is it just in the league that we're in today, it's really not feasible? Uh, I don't think it's feasible. Honestly, I played baseball in high school, um, and even then, I was like, I was a pitcher, didn't really play the field, because it, it takes a lot of work to work on your craft on the mound. Um, I know the Reds are going to run into a problem with Hunter Green with that. I know they're, they're trying to get him to play both ways, but um, it's going to be a difficult trip, and I think Otani is really good at, at both, um, but you never know if he worked on one of those, uh, either hitting or pitching all the time, he almost could be even better. Mm-hmm. Like, let's say he worked on hitting all the time. He could become a better hitter. He might be sacrificing some of his hitting to be a better pitcher. Um, I personally would go after him uh, as a pitcher. I think uh, pitching is very valuable nowadays. You can get a lot of hitting mm-hmm. places. Uh, but you, you can't argue with uh, OPS over 1,000 last year um, with 22 home runs and only 382 at-bats. You, you can't argue with that. But um, you can see it with contracts and everything. Everyone's paying a premium for these pitchers. Uh, I think I think Otani comes over as a pitcher, but we'll see. Yeah, I think the allure of a lefty bat um, might sway teams the other way. Um, obviously, it's it's questionable as to how you can develop a player like that. Like you said, you know, you're gonna have to compensate for hitting work with pitching work if you're gonna do both. Um, but I think the one difference between Otani. And um, Green is that Otani's older. He, yeah. he knows his body better. Green is still developing. Yeah. So, well, actually, Otani's only 23, but I mean, Green's only, what, 18. Yeah. So he, he knows his body better. And while 23 is actually the age of a lot of prospects, um, at the same time, you know, he might be more prime than Green is to actually go. He has a more developed body. He um, knows his work ethic. He's obviously worked over in Japan for being able to balance the two. So while Green was doing it at the high school level, which is a lot easier than the minor leagues or MLB, um, the way I look at the Japanese league, which behind the MLB is the best league in, base- in the world, uh, there's no question. The way I look at it is it's like quadruple A, basically. Um, I'd say it's definitely tougher than triple A is, but it's not at the same level that the MLB. So um, that's why I think it's kind of ridiculous when people at Lupin, Japanese, uh, Ichiro Suzuki's, Japan stats with his MLB to say he's the all-time hit leader because, I mean, it's it's not true. It's not the same it's league. The same league. Um, as much as I'm not a fan of Pete Rose, uh, he still holds that record. Got all of his hits in the major leagues, not in uh, different leagues. Exactly. And like I said, that quadruple-A status is really what separates it from majors. I mean, if it were really a competitive league, like kind of like what the um, NFL and AFL were before yeah. they merged, where, you know, the winner of each, the National League and the American League, the winner of each played each other. Like, that's different. That's They were, at the time, two separate leagues, but the talent level was the same. Maybe one year one league was better, one year the other was. But at the same time, you had players going back and forth between them. You had 
Um, you know, you're hitting pitchers of the same yeah. caliber. You're going against pitchers of the same caliber, hitters of the same caliber. So I wouldn't loop in Japan stats. And that's what I'm saying also with Otani is you're taking these Japanese stats while he may have been hitting like Justin Turner and pitching like Zach Greinke, according to those stats, obviously that doesn't translate to the majors. Um, there's going to be a learning curve. You look at what Masahiro Tanaka's had to do. Um, Jose Abreu um, had some uh, down year. There, there's, it's not easy, you know, to come over. The Cuban League is beneath. I, I'd say that's more of a Double A, Triple A. Yeah, I know um, level, but player that comes to mind for me is Yulieski Garnett mm-hmm. Curiel. He. Uh, he was hitting like 500, some mm-hmm. ridiculous in a, in a Mexican league. And he's hitting 289 in the major league. So um, it does translate to some extent. You know, he showed great contact um, down the Caribbean and now uh, hitting 289 in the major league. So it does translate, but he's obviously not going to come over and hit 500. Yeah. Just like Otani's not going to come over and hit 325. Or have he, one he could. something. Exactly. He could, but it's a different league. The stats are a little inflated because of that. So, um, I'm definitely excited to see how much money he gets. That's yeah. going to be a gigantic contract. Well, that's the thing, out. though. He's not going to be able to get a lot of money. If he waits uh, two years to come, which, I mean, he'd be 25. That's perfectly reasonable for the wait. He could land, like, a $250 million deal. Yeah, but, that, but also, right now he can't. He also can come over on a three- to four-year deal. And after that, he hits free agency at 27, 28 years old, and he'll get that two hundred like $300 million. The Bryce Harper situation. Exactly. Hitting so, it right before your prime. I, I don't think he's worried about making money at this point. I think no. he's worried about just getting over here and playing. He's going to make less. If he comes here, he's actually going to make less money than he would if he yeah. stayed. But, I mean, it's, it's the American stage, and that's the allure of it. It's, you know, it's the biggest, it's, biggest it's the best, stage in sports. It's the best baseball you'll ever play in. Exactly. I mean, we'll see what happens. I think, you know, for guys that have been – you know, conditioned in these other leagues, they, they kind of look over at the U.S. as that better, um, not to sound all pretentious, but, uh, you know, they, they look over. It is. I mean, you look at players who play overseas, um, you know, in China and stuff, uh, for basketball, they all want to make it back to the NBA. I mean, Jimmer Fredette fell out of the NBA, and he was the MVP of the Chinese basketball Stephen league. Lover yeah. Made a career out of it. Left mm-hmm. the NBA, kind of got screwed by the Knicks, uh, goes over, uh, I believe, I don't know if it was China. Uh, could have been another country, but he won like two MVPs and three championships. So mm-hmm. I mean, um, and you make money over there. Yeah. That's the, the China's a huge market. So um, there's nothing to, to discredit those leagues, yeah. but just the talent level overall, it, it's clearly in favor of MLB yeah. and the NBA. Definitely. NFL is its own thing. I mean, obviously it's American football, soccer, yeah, not in the same category. Not sure if they even. But have even them. the NHL. I mean, yeah. hockey's bigger in Canada than it is here. While there are a lot of Canadian teams in the NHL. It's a predominantly American league. Yeah. So exactly. um, that just kind of shows where America is on that, you know, global landscape in terms of media and um, just athletes in general. And you look at the Olympics; America stands out among the pack. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see what Otani does. Um, I think he has expressed interest in coming himself, which means he's willing to forfeit that money and come and play for the majors. Um, we'll obviously have the language barrier to get past, um, and you know. The cultural difference in itself is huge. So hopefully he gets on a team. Like, Yoan Moncada is on the White Sox right now, and I read a great article written for ESPN the magazine uh, prior to the season about how Moncada was, like, he when he first got here, um, he was on the Red Sox. He got signed this huge deal, which yeah. is not common for players of his age because they're going through the draft and they yeah. get regular contracts. But Moncada was an international signing and got a huge contract, um, was immediately went to go buy, like, five cars. And the guy... Some of those um, guys don't know how to handle money once they get it. So. Exactly. But now he's on the White Sox and he has Jose Abreu, who's kind of taken him under his wing. They yeah. have lockers next to each other. Um, they've worked together. And, you know, he's like, I know what you're going yeah. through. I can help you through this. And I think that would be helpful for Otani. The guy's 23. Yeah. He's only three years older than the two of us. Yeah. So, which is crazy to think about. But... Um, I mean, we talked about well, earlier episode. There's a lot of players that are younger than us in Major League Baseball. Now. It's kind of crazy. Ozzy Albies on the... Yeah. Um, Braves and Victor Robles on the Nats, the two youngest players in baseball right now, both 20 years old. So, and I'm turning 21 in a month, so that's yeah. just crazy. It's, it's weird to think about, but um, well, I guess we're coming of age now. So, mm-hmm. got to start. It was it was weird when I first got to JMU to start talking about college prospect like commits to schools yeah. as to being younger than me. Like I've always just looked at these guys as like older dudes who are you know huge and um, menacing and everything, but like. 
<laughs> they're they're two, three years younger than me now. It's I mean, there's kids who are committing as freshmen. That they're what fourteen? I'm six years older. Yeah, than I know. Kids. I know. Lane Kiffin recruited someone that was twelve years old playing quarterback. It's, it's just it's crazy. It's, crazy it's, it's weird to think about, but it's where we're at in sports today, and it's honestly good. I think the youth movement in all sports is a great thing for sports. So I'm excited. Uh, final topic that we're talking about today. We can't let you guys go without talking about you know pennant races and wild card and everything like that. And so I posed this question to Kevin before the show. Um, what team that does not currently hold a playoff spot? So right now, as of now, it's Red Sox, Indians, Astros, and the Yankees and Twins in the American League. National League, it's Nats, Cubs, Dodgers, and Diamondbacks and Rockies in the NL. So, Kevin, excluding those teams, who has the best shot of making it to the playoffs? See, it was really tough for me because I really wanted to pick the Twins. I really like the Twins roster. I like how they're playing right now. Um, but they're in a wild card spot, so that doesn't, doesn't work. Um, I, I, my, my choice is that the Angels, you know, they have the best player in baseball. Um, they just acquired Justin Upton. Uh, they're playing well, and they're only two games out. So um, you never know. They don't, they don't quite have the pitching that some of these other teams do. But, um, you, I mean, you can't argue with Mike Trout's numbers. 28 home runs, uh, uh, 1,100 and, or, yeah, 1,100 OPS. Um, the guy, the guy's been amazing, and he, he can lead them deep into the playoffs. I think, um, I think they make it out of the wild card game if they get in. It'll be, it'll be close because Yankees aren't playing well right now. It's, um, they've been a very up and down team. So, I, I think the Angels are the most uh, dangerous. I, I was gonna go with the Brewers, but the Jimmy Nelson injury definitely hurts. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Cardinals just haven't shown me any consistency at all this year. They, you know, a couple weeks ago they had the, they had the division. They were up in the division or title division lead. And now they're three games back. So um, i definitely go with the Angels. It's interesting you bring that up because I did pick the Cardinals um, in light of the Jimmy Nelson injury. Mm-hmm. I think that the Cardinals are poised to make a run. I mean, they're the Cardinals. And they're, they're going to the team that's going to be you know in that conversation every year. They're only two years removed from winning 100 games. Um, so what I like about them is that their numbers have turned around in the second half. Um, batting overall, second half has been much better. I know that... Um, since the All-Star break, they're hitting 266, which is 11 points better than they were before. OPS 784, which is more than serviceable. Obviously, you kind of shoot for an 800 team OPS. Yeah. Um, so, so their offense isn't hitting as well as we would have liked, but they especially turned it on in August. They hit 280. Their OPS was 837. Um, hit 37 home runs, which is the second most they've hit in a month all season. So still not hitting enough home runs now. No, they, but they've never been. They've always been a light hitting team. It's, a, it's, a, it's like the Red Sox. The lineup full of two hitters. Mm-hmm. That's true. Um, but overall, between that and their pitching bad, staff, bad defense too. They haven't played very well, very good defense this year. So pitching staff in September though, two six one ERA. Already had hundred innings under their belt. Um, they've thrown a complete game, uh, converted three saves, which they've had um, some trouble in the back end of their bullpen. I know we brought Harry Holtzclaw on who's a Cardinals fan and has talked about before. Same with Justin Copeland. Justin Copeland came on. Yep. Um, both of them. Harry had a little more optimism for the Cardinals. Justin, not so much. So um, it's interesting to get the two different perspectives. But uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't see the Cardinals win that division. The Cubs. Um, Cubs just don't impress me yeah. at all. I don't think they impress anyone, but they have enough of a lead. You know, Three games? Or, yeah. Three games in a month? That's, that's happened plenty of times. Um, I don't know. We're getting a month. There's like 12 games left, but... So, I mean, yes, it, it's... It, Three games, though. They had the percentages on ESPN today. Um, forgot where the percentages came from, but the Cubs had like a 68% chance of winning the division. Yeah, it's actually um, 87.5. Cardinals are at 16, which they have a higher percentage than the Brewers, even though they're in third place. Well, yeah, the Jimmy Nelson injury hurts. Uh, the Brewers, you know, haven't been helped by... I, I mean, honestly, I think the Brewers win that division if they don't lose Chase Anderson. They don't lose Jimmy Nelson. Um, they make some deals at the deadline. They they had their opportunity, but you know they're looking more towards the future. I do have to respect, yeah, like you said, what the Brewers did at the deadline. Though they didn't sell their farm system because of one hot start. They they still had a rebuild that they were in the middle of. They had a surprising start to the season. They're like, we should take advantage. They got a few guys, you know, but didn't fleece their farm system in any way, um, which I respect. I think that you know they have a lot of young guys that are still coming up and they're excited about them. And there's no reason to mortgage their future on a hot start um, out of nowhere. Um, it would have been like the Twins being complete buyers at the deadline after losing 103 games last year, um, which is crazy enough that they're two games up in the AL wildcard spot right now. Um, 
and have lost 103 games last year. So quite the turnaround for them. But same for the Brewers. Um, I think that you know they made the right decision even if they don't make the playoffs. Um, they had a competitive year. I think their fans are excited. Um, it's something to root for. They haven't had that in a while with how tough the NL Central has been over the past few years. Yeah. Between the Cubs' dominance before that, it was the Cardinals. Before that, the Pirates were, um, or at the same time as the Cardinals, Pirates were doing well. Even the Reds had a few good years. So the Brewers have kind of always been on the outside looking in. Um, ever since Ryan Braun's MVP season, they've really mm-hmm. kind of tailed off. So um, exciting year for them. But I do think the Cardinals have a lot going for them. They have a lot of veterans um, that have been in this position before. Um, they won a World Series as a wild card team once. They certainly not, not the same players, but not the same players. No, but I mean they've got clubhouse leaders like Yadier Molina, yeah. who've been around. Um, Adam Wainwright is still on that team. Trevor Rosendahl's hurt, but he's still a vocal clubhouse leader. Yeah. Um, I think those three guys can you know help lead this team. Um, and just with how unimpressive the Cubs have been, they're four and six in the last ten games. They're not playing well by any means. They just got swept by the Brewers a couple of days ago. Um, overall. I don't, I'm not impressed by them, and I think that I think that them missing the playoffs would be just perfect after mm-hmm. the last season that they had. Um, not that I'm spiteful in any way, but I think that the media circus that was made over the Cubs, um, it's just kind of almost laughable at this point as to how you know bad they, they, compared to where they were last year. This is just such a disappointing season yeah. for them, even though they're leading the division at the moment. Um, they're nowhere near that top spot. I mean, the Nats are only, like, three and a half games out of that number one spot. I think that it's just a two-team race from the number one seed at this point in the NL, which I don't even know if I'd want. You know, obviously, home field advantage counts um, throughout the playoffs, and if we face the Dodgers in the NLCS, I want to be able to have home field advantage. But at the same time, it's the difference between facing the winner of the NL Central versus either the Diamondbacks or the Rockies, and I do not want to face the Diamondbacks or the Rockies in NLDS. So I don't know. I probably honestly still want the one seed just in case down the line, you know, you have a chance to have their best record in baseball. And that's our pace for 100 wins right now. Um, Dodgers are almost already there. But they've been well, yeah, long. but I mean, they were a game, they have 94 wins. Uh, the Nats are 88. So six game difference? Six game difference, three games back, I think. Five and a half game difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll see what happens. Um, but it'll be interesting to see, you know, how. The rest of the pennant race shapes up. I mean, yeah, I'll finish it off the episode by saying what I say every time. It's baseball. Anything can happen. So can't wait for October to come. It's going to be fun. But uh, stay with us throughout the playoffs. Yep, we'll be here every Thursday at noon. So be sure to tune in on Facebook Live and Periscope. We post our uh, episodes about an hour later onto Blog Talk, which goes straight to iTunes and TuneIn Radio. So wherever you listen to us, thank you for listening to us. I'm Matt Wire. This is Kevin Haswell. Kevin Haswell. Thank you for tuning in. Have a good, have a good one, guys.